Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday the 9th of December 2015 and joining me on this edition are Assistant Editor Steve Withers. It's unacceptable that chocolate makes you fat but I've eaten my share and guess what? News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. I'll probably lose my citizen for fuck's sake. I'll go with that. I'll go with another one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll die unless you kill me. And audio reviewer Ed Sally. Please don't interrupt me when I'm asking rhetorical questions. Eight days to go. There's just eight days. Another podcast recording, and then we, we, we I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Cause... We're not going to talk about anything. <laughs> You're just going to sit at the end of the microphone going, ah! Well, no, 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 because no, next week is, is before, but there's nothing yes. being released at the cinema or anything like that, so God knows what we're going to talk about next week. Well, suggestions, please, listeners. What you, what, yeah, answers on a postcard. In, in the absence of news or anything else going on, what are we to talk about? I don't know. We could we could talk about how excited we are for the Force Awakens. Idle speculation. Isn't that every week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But idle speculation specifically about Star Wars. Oh, right. Okay. Although we've been confirmed now, no Jar Jar, unfortunately. Disappointing. I think and no post-credit sequence uh, a la Marvel, which is good because obviously we want it to be stylistically the same as the other films, so that makes sense. Were we expecting Jar Jar? Well, well I think based, you, on, um... based on that Reddit theory, <laughs> yeah, yes. it was time for him to return and be Sith Lord of everything. <laughs> His true nature was going to be revealed. In fact, it had been him behind the scenes pulling. He was the Phantom Menace at the end of it all. Yeah, that was the thing. What was the Phantom Menace? Oh, God so, knows. I mean, that film makes no... no. That film must make any... Phantom Menace, mm, is it meant to be Sidious or Palpatine? Or <laughs> It would make a lot more sense if it was Jar Jar. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see, the thing is, though, Lucas would say that that was... That, oh, yeah, that was my idea right from the start. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. it'd rewrite history. Well, he can't anymore. He doesn't own it. Apparently, he, uh, he well, when he sold Lucasfilm, he provided Disney with um, outlines for... Um, episodes seven, eight, nine, plus further episodes and ideas for standalone movies, and Disney threw it all out. <laughs> so no thanks. <laughs> so we can be thankful for small mercies. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, if this Indiana Jones fifth film is uh, is to be cut, hopefully Spielberg will do the same thing. Nah, sorry, George, I'm not interested. You're retired, mate. Go away, you go. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Because once upon a time he was a really no, 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 no. I don't think he was. I don't think he was, Steve. I think I think that was just his mates, you know, bigging him up. I think he was just bloody lucky with Star Wars. The right film came along at the right time, and he he made a success out of it. And there wasn't all this backstory and all the rest. And he wasn't a talented filmmaker. The the way that Coppola was trying to make out he was and all the rest. It. I don't I don't buy that now. Sorry. Because I, I don't see any evidence of it. Because even in his heyday when he was making the Star Wars films, what other stuff did he make? Willow and Howard the Duck. American Case Graffiti. Closed. American that's, Graffiti is a great film. That's a good uh, and film. THX 1138 film. is genuinely interesting, albeit a bit of a downer. I, th- I think he had talent, but you know, he ended up, instead of becoming a filmmaker, he ended yeah, up yeah, being yeah. a businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. There's a difference between having talent and being a super talented filmmaker, which everybody tries to make out he was at one point, which he. I, no, don't buy it. I, th- I think you're right, though, that if you think about it, I mean, I, there's different opinions here, but a lot of people think that The Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie. It's the one that he had the least to do with. Yeah. He was, exe- you know, he wasn't the producer, he wasn't the director, and he wasn't the writer. Uh, and that, you know, that probably says it all, really. <laughs> So anyway, eight days to go. <laughs> I can't wait. And uh, yeah, looking back through all the trailers that have been released, um, are we expecting another one this week? 
Uh, there's been a couple, there's been quite, a, I don't know if you noticed, there's been a couple more brief trailers, there's been international trailer released, and also um, a couple of behind the scenes things as well. There's tons of stuff coming out. I mean, it's mostly the same footage, but I watched something on Saturday, I think it was, and it was someone had taken all the footage that had been released in every conceivable way so far, put it all together. It ran for about eight minutes, eight minutes or so. And you, had, and you put it into, you put the footage together in context of the scenes they come from rather than as a trailer but just well, as well what, what they think might be the context yeah the well but yeah you can see certain scenes obviously taking place on a ice planet for example and some are in forest and this sort of stuff so you put them together and uh yeah i've still got no idea what the plot is uh but it looked awesome are we fixed on what the the empire now called because obviously they're not the empire now are they there's they're something like new order is not first order or something like that isn't it first order not, <laughs> do, not, they, do they just blast around the galaxy playing true faith order would be a little bit too <laughs> fascist uh, deliberately fascist i think well maybe you know, joy division <laughs> joy division <laughs> actually given where that that's title dark. comes from <laughs> that's very very dark they've gone very dark if that's the case Yes, I just like the idea of just everything in that film playing to love will tear us apart. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the ultimate bait and switch. Yeah, there's a John Williams score. Actually, no, no, there isn't. <laughs> it's just Blue Monday on repeat. <laughs> I'd still be quite keen on that. I've got to be honest. I know you would, Ed. Actually, you weren't around when we were talking about um, uh, Mr. Robot, the new series on, on Amazon. You would love the score to that, the soundtrack to that. It's, it's very... Um, well, hopefully the score is available separate to the actual programme itself because the, the word that keeps cropping up from people that are watching it is, like, bleak. So Yeah, um, yeah but really interesting and gripping because I've, I've never stopped thinking about it, to be honest. It, 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 it plays on so many things that did that happen or is that in his imagination? And because he's a schizophrenic, you, know, you don't know if what he's narrating to you actually happened or is, is part of one elaborate you know, made up thing in his head. So it's, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of humour in it so far, but I, I don't it's, think, it, I don't think it needs that. And I don't think it needs re- the light relief at the minute. I think it's because the subject matter is quite heavy, but I think you'd love the soundtrack because it's very electro. Um, I'll, have, I'll, I'll see, if I'll see what I can find. I mean, obviously as it's on Amazon, it would require my son to stop watching Peppa Pig on loop to, for me to get anywhere near my fire TV stick, but yeah, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, well worth, well worth at least having a, a look at the first episode. If it's not grabbing you, then you know so, that, yeah. that's that's how I was. This uh, what's the other one? The, the man in the castle, or what's it called? Uh, the man, man in the high, high castle. castle. High that castle. one really interesting because I saw the pilot mm. for that, and uh, I've read the original Philip K. Dick book, uh, and that's got a really interesting premise about you know a few um, an alternative um, uh, existing alternative universe where Germany and Japan won World War Two and America is separated between the two occupying forces. And but they find a film um, of a, a world where they didn't win the world. In other words, our world where they didn't win World War Two. And yeah. um, quite an interesting premise. And uh, yeah, I saw that yeah. in the trailer, and that was the bit that hooked me when she finds mm. the film, and you think, oh no, this could be interesting. Yeah, no, I think so. I enjoyed the pilot. I thought it was really good. So uh, worth checking out. Definitely, I, I should probably when I find time, Christmas, maybe I'll watch it over Christmas. Yeah, it's too much. It's just too much to watch at the moment. Yeah, well, you're not doing any work over Christmas, are you? And you've taken two well, weeks off. I don't know why it. you've taken two <laughs> weeks off, but yeah. It's knockout week for MasterChef as well, Steve. Yes, so. quite. Yeah, this week's just too much on. This is just too much. That's why I haven't had any reviews yet. That's why it is. Yeah, you're not going to get much this week, are you? I supplied you one this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I did deliver one this morning, though. The Pioneer audio player. Has he spelled up correctly? Mostly, I think. <laughs> you, you've got the bloody t- type, the main picture at the top wrong again, Ed. <laughs> 
It's a photo of the unit. Yeah, it was a photo of the unit with its back off so you can see the guts of it. That's not really going to help. Oh, well, just piss about with them. See the what you photo think. that you use for that is the one that's used for the product database. So you want an image that actually typifies the product. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. You, uh, there are some other images. <laughs> oh, well, I thought it was quite a good image to start it with, but okay, fine. What do I know? You're being too artistic here. Just do what you're told. <laughs> too, too, too autistic, you say. <laughs> and welcome along to a new segment of AV4 and Swallow. It's called Admin. <laughs> What's Ed done wrong this week? Yay! <laughs> Well, Ed, um, obviously you sound fine here. I'll know when we get into the edit whether you do sound fine. And maybe the listeners can comment, but you've got a new headset on. Um, it's a Sennheiser one. And I've got to say, you sound pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously I, I don't know how I sound because I've got both ears covered with this headset. So I, as far as I'm concerned, sound like I've got an incredible cold. But um, if if people are happy, then, then I'm happy. And it, it, the main advantage is that unlike the other microphone, which is fixed position, um, uh, or rather, not. It was. It was. Depends where I'm holding it. This. This will move with my head. Hopefully, meaning that even if I'm being a bit animated, I'll stay relatively consistent. Or so, or if it works, fit. it works. Yeah. Or, or just make sort of desperate gargling noises. One or the other. <laughs> well, I thought that was your contribution, isn't it? Well, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> Mark, tell us what we can win in the competitions. Okay, we've got a Blu-ray available, which is Mission Impossible Rouge Nation. No, it isn't. <laughs> You've made that go in my brain. I mean to say Every that. time I see Rogue now, I think ah, Rouge. Your fault. Rogue Nation on Blu-ray, and that's open to active members and closes 15th of December. And then we've got a rather nice prize, courtesy of Scan, and this is a Yamaha RX A3040 AV receiver. Ed reviewed it. I'm sure he can give you his thoughts on it. Yeah, well, I, I, obviously my review's there to read. It's also been resident in the, the house ever since. That was is this the competition prize? <laughs> it's not that you, you, you can rest assured you're not winning the one. Uh, but if you wanted any any sort of encouragement that this is a, a, a tough piece of kit yes it's been in the house it's had any number of different things connected to it my son has pushed various buttons and the volume control and the, the big metal flap that hides some of the other controls they've all been pushed and prodded and attacked day in day out it still works exactly the same as the day it first went in it is one beautifully built so at least you haven't had regurgitated food pushed into the rca sockets and anything like that. well you'd have to get around the back for that uh, I, everything that he can get hold of has a sort of light smearing of it's a combination of sort of saliva and whatever he was eating at the time and it sort of dries to a sort of milk flaky (laughs) crust but yeah it's wonderful it's 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 parenting encapsulated but it's it's taken all of that in its stride it's it's been a brilliant brilliant piece of equipment and that one closes on the 30th of december Oh yeah, sorry, we're still talking about a competition. Actually, we? what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any previous winners? Mark? Nope, not one. Nope. Nope. No. Not this time. Okay. Sorry, I need to scroll down, and it wasn't a scrolling down. <laughs> you didn't know what was next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, like the auto cue for Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. If I kind of read it, then I ain't seen it. <laughs> Uh, right, so let's move on to some hardware news. That's cause I know that's coming up because it's in bold. Um, so this is a new section of the podcast after admin. Um, right, so 
We've been uh, looking at some different bits and pieces uh, over the last week in terms of review kit. Uh, we've also been, well, some of us have been writing articles. I actually wrote this a little while ago, Steve. We've just been waiting for the right time to put it up. Um, and towards Christmas, when people are looking at buying, possibly buying a new TV, um, and we've got things like Black Friday and so on, where TVs are being sold cheaper than normal. And we're getting to the end of the year, so manufacturers are starting to discount last year's lines in preparation for next year. People have been asking the age-old question, what's the difference between an LED TV and an OLED TV? And this is something we've discussed on the podcast on numerous occasions. And it's something that we highlighted a couple of years ago when Samsung got into trouble because they, they were calling their TVs LED TVs. And there's no such thing. It has an LED backlight and uh, they were naming it. It should be LED LCD TV is the correct terminology. Uh, but it does confuse the consumer. And of course, OLED, unfortunately, has LED in its name. Yeah, uh, And it does get confusing for the consumer out there because, well, really, they are two completely different technologies. They, they couldn't be really less alike if they tried. Um, in fact, if anything, OLED is more like a plasma television in the sense that it's self-illuminating in the same way that plasma is. And therefore, it has more in common with that technology than it does with what is effectively an LCD television you just pointed out for. And, you know, this, this confusion, I mean, there's probably... I can't think of any other industry where there's more, you know, um, jargon and acronyms than there is in, in the consumer trans industry. In it. And you can f- forgive the consumer for, for often becoming uh, confused by all these different terms and terminology. Um, and the confusion basically stems from, as you say, for going back about five years when they first started using LEDs as an alternative backlight to CCFL on LCD televisions. And it was Samsung did it first, but I mean, everyone else has kind of piled in since then, so, but they were the first people to do it. They were calling them LED TVs in order to make them appear as if they're some sort of incredibly new technology. What they actually are is an LCD television with an LED backlight, but that obviously isn't very catchy. LED TV did catch on and it was quite catchy and people bought into the whole marketing spiel. And even though they were wrapped across the knuckles by the Advertising Standards Authority and told not to do it, they continued to do it and just pay the fine, I assume. Um, and so people have been buying these TVs for the last five years, you know, buying their LED televisions and then think, oh, I've got this brand new TV and it's this new technology. And then along comes OLED, which is a genuinely new technology. And they're thinking, well, how is that different from the one I've just got? And hence the article. And basically, um, as you've just said, Phil, uh, an LED television is really an LED LCD TV. So it's an LCD panel with an LED backlight. The light shines through the panel. The panel's uh, pixels open and close to block out the light. And that's how the, the image is created. Now, of course, because the light is being shone through the panel and it can't block out all the light, that's why LCD televisions generally and LED LCD TVs as well don't necessarily deliver particularly good blacks. They can they can deliver reasonably good blacks, and particularly if they're using a VA panel that they can deliver quite good blacks. And obviously there are other things they do, things like lo- local dimming to help improve the black level performance, but it's not its strong point. OLED, like plasma, is self-illuminating, which means when you turn off that pixel, it's black. It's really black. It's blacker than plasma because there's no afterglow. It's black. And that's one of the big differentiating facts between the technologies. One is one self-illuminating and one delivers incredibly deep blacks natively. Uh, and effectively, if you think about local dimming as being different zones, in, on an OLED TV, there's if it's a 4K TV, 8 million local dimming zones, each individual pixel, in fact. Um, so that's one of the major differences between the two technologies. Uh, there are others, of course. It's, it's, um, it hasn't got a backlight, and therefore it has less layers to, make the, to construct the panel with, so it's a much thinner, although they can make uh, LCD televisions pretty thin these days, but, I mean, natively and inherently, OLED is much thinner. It's much more flexible, too, which is why they initially started curving them when the first models were launched, uh, what, three years ago? Uh, Samsung and OLED did, um, sorry, Samsung and LG released 
uh, curved OLEDs. Since then, um, Samsung in particular have also been doing curved LCD panels, which has somewhat confused the waters a little bit. Um, and they're very energy efficient. Um, they have uh, better performance in terms of color performance at lower light levels because there's no bleed coming through from the backlight through the panel. So again, that's another area where they have um, a certain inherent strength. They're not perfect. Nothing's perfect, of course. Um, but on the whole, I think we generally feel, having seen a number of OLED televisions now, that it's the technology of the future. Um, it's it's, it's a, you know, a great technology that can deliver a stunning picture and it will go from strength to strength. Um, hopefully, um, more manufacturers will eventually become involved in this market because up to now it's basically been L LG with, um, well, we've had a TV this year from Panasonic, but it's an LG panel. Um, so hopefully more manufacturers will get involved, will support it, will invest in it, and it will become a, a proper mass market um, technology. Um, and it's getting there. I mean, prices, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but prices have been dropping like a stone in some of the stores. Yeah. There's some fantastic deals going on uh, recently for um, OLED TVs. So... Um, that's it. That's what known television is. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously our audience, are, are uh, the main core audience, are pretty up to speed with what things are in terms of LED and OLED. But um, I, another thing which tends to rear its head, Steve, is that because OLED costs a lot of money, people expect absolute perfection. And when it comes to TVs, whether it's an LED TV, a plasma or an OLED, there's no such thing as perfection. Unless you're buying a broadcast uh, standard monitor, which at 11 inches would set you back about £35,000. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite. I mean, regardless of what TV you select and technology you select at a consumer level, you're right, it's not really perfect. I mean, you can go back to even TVs that people still law to stay like the Kuro. That's still had its issues. Well, um, the, well, the CMS didn't work for a start. CMS didn't and work. It, it's uh, chroma, chroma app sampling uh, is, yeah. isn't, isn't there. It's just yeah. not very good at all. You know, nothing's perfect, but... Well, um, look back at CRT, and CRT's held with great fondness, but people tend to forget the geometry issues that you used yes. to have. I cannot believe that people forget the geometry issues. Yes, I mean, it was the reason I moved away from CRT in, in the first place. I mean, it was just watching a BBC news ticker get to the end of the screen and go, way, and just disappear <laughs> off a, a completely random angle. It's slightly ironic that we've kind of gone back to that now with curved screens. <laughs> Well, in fact, I, in the other way, in the other direction, I, I won't be bothering myself. But yeah, I, I appreciate the irony of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of these things that, and a great article that's on the on the homepage there, Steve. I mean, uh, I think the the slides which came, I, I believe, courtesy of LG. Um, yes, they were from LG actually. Yeah. Who obviously <laughs> are quite keen for the for people to be educated in terms of um, what the difference is. Yeah, um, but, but they are very simple. Um, diagrams and, and, and graphics that kind of very simply demonstrate what, what I'm talking yeah, about. In the yeah, and they're not over-exaggerated either, where sometimes manufacturer-produced stuff is, is exaggerated towards their product. It's pretty much fair fair enough down the line, those those images, and, and they do help illustrate what it is that you're saying in the article as well. So I think the two work really well together. And Right, so let's move on. Uh, we have been looking at some equipment, some of us longer than others. Um, I've had the Sony for a while now, the Sony VW520ES projector, 4K native. The big thing between the 520 and the 500 is the fact that it does HDR. Um, everything else appears to be exactly the same, and, and myself and Steve had a long conversation going, going through the 500 and the notes that you had for the 500 and stuff, and we couldn't find anything else. Even the brightness is the same. So we couldn't yes. find anything else uh, between the 500 and the 520 other than HDR. So we got in touch with Sony and asked them to send us a, an HDR player 
um, because one of the issues that you do have, unlike HDR TVs, which have a built-in HVC player which can take the HDR metadata and show it properly on screen, uh, with a projector you have to feed the signal into the projector and that means having a, a player um, attached to it. Now we did try one of these Android boxes, uh, Mark you sent me up a Zedu X6 and we tried that by loading up the HDR clips and unfortunately the Zedu couldn't play back the HDR clips for whatever reason, couldn't read the metadata or whatever, it just wasn't reading them. So we asked Sony to send us this player and it took three three weeks? Yes. Just, yeah, yeah, it's about three, well three weeks for the player to turn up. Um, it got here, brand new box, really excited on Friday night. Last thing on Friday night, it turned up about 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. Because I thought I was giving up on it. I thought it was just wasn't going to turn up. Hooked it all up to the machine. It has Netflix 4K and it has a video player. And I was expecting it to be preloaded clips, HDR clips, and maybe even some preloaded movies like there are in the US with this player. Zilch. Nothing on it. Yes. Um, which really you know i can't blame the pr people who were sorting it out because they don't know what was on it and maybe wires got crossed or whatever but it's taking three weeks to look at this and this just kind of highlights the issues um guys about these new standards and and getting things to play properly and and even getting things just to play so you can test equipment there's no way uh, at that moment in time on friday night i was able to test the vw520 i have since been able to get two clips to play hdr clips via a usb into this 4K player and then into the projector. And even that, it's not reading the metadata, so it's not switching HDR on automatically. You have to go into the menu and switch HDR on. And and there's two different clips. One which is uh, a fire, a wood fire burning, which sounds spectacular as it is. And the other clip is a Sony um, Sony clip from one of the uh, uh, Cine Alta um, 4K cameras which is a Japanese uh, woman and her daughter on a boat in Tokyo Harbour and you've got all the city lights behind them and so on in the lighting of the boat and it balances out so there's depth image and so on. But even with those clips with HDR switched on, something which uh, you noted, Mark, with um, the stuff that you were watching on Amazon through uh, one of the 4K uh, HDR TVs, was that for some reason the gamma curve doesn't seem to work with some shots compared to others it seems to get yeah. very washed out at one minute and then look absolutely spectacular the next and the only reason i can think there is that there's something wrong with the metadata or the projectors unable to to use that gamma curve that, that their footage was shot in or it just just doesn't seem to be mature enough and working properly um, no, and even now there's no there's no no media players on the horizon um sort of promising hdr support in the near future, I, I haven't seen anything at all. So, in the next, that's for the next twelve months. Um, whether we'll see anything announced at CES, I don't, I don't know. But I'm not sure that the manufacturers are willing to go out on a limb and decide which form of HDR to support because the chipsets might not support all forms of them and the hardware decoding. Well, I, I specifically asked Sony uh, via the uh, the PR to to speak to one of the engineers to find out exactly what the projector accepts, and what I got back was it would accept CEA. Um, standardized, which I believe is HDR10. Yeah. Um, yep. And it would also support BBC for broadcasting when that was finalized. It would be a firmware update. Um, and that would be the two standards that, that the VW520... But you would think, if it's shot on Sony cameras and it's a Sony demo clip on a Sony player through a USB, into a Sony projector, that 
it would work. You, you would think that it would be in their interest to provide you, a reviewer, with some really knockout clips in order to, for you to, you know, be impressed when you're doing the review. At least, um, I don't know if you've seen the clips, Mark, but um, I got sent some clips by LG when I was reviewing the EF950 OLED TV. Yes, I've got and they all, looked all those. Awesome, yeah. on, <laughs> awesome on on the TV. It was really impressive. I thought, blimey, that looks good. Um, but again, uh, I tried the um, um, the Little Life of Pi and Exodus clips that Samsung gave me for when we did the JS nine five hundred review right at the beginning of the year, um, and that didn't look quite as impressive on the on the LG as the LG Zone clips. So you're kind of wondering now, you know, is it dependent on what, who's mastering it or where it's coming from? I mean, it's interesting that you say that the Sony projector does uh, HDR ten and BBC um, log hybrid when Apparently, Sony uh, Pictures are going to be doing Dolby Vision on their Blu-rays. So um, yeah, well, well, that was that was the one thing that was specified in the email from the engineer was <laughs> it does not support Dolby. <laughs> well done, boys. Nice to see you talking to each other again as usual. <laughs> it's a brave new world out there. <laughs> well, I, I think this just perfectly highlights the issues that you know are continually ongoing. And now, it, when it comes to the point where we're trying to test this kit for members and tell members you know what works what doesn't work and so on and we're getting to the point where literally I had to go and have a number one haircut on Monday because I'd pulled so much hair out on the Friday night and over the weekend because I had a laptop fail on me as well over the weekend which <laughs> meant I couldn't do certain bits and pieces and I was just having a nightmare but I, I was just thinking you know this is a Sony branded player it's a Sony branded uh, projector and it was shot on Sony Cine Alta F55 camera and you they would, own a film studio. And you own a film cool. studio. You would think that down that line it would work, and it just, it just didn't work. It just didn't look very good. So at basically, all. Phil, aside from the HDR support, which kind of maybe does, doesn't work depending on what you're feeding it, and HDMI 2.0a inputs, it's a 500. It's a 500, and you know I don't want to um, get down on it because I think it's a stonking projector. It really is a really really good projector um, from last year. Uh, up against this year's projectors, I think it's going to struggle, uh, especially yeah, at the especially eight and a half grand, right? Eight and a half grand, and it's the only one in the Sony lineup that does HDR. <laughs> and, and I think we've just come to the point where we don't know if it does HDR because switching it to auto, it obviously isn't reading any metadata. Switching it on, it was working with some clips; it yeah. wasn't working with others. I mean, it should automatically bit, detect it, right? Isn't that it? Should well, that's the whole idea, that's isn't it? That's the way it? that LG and Samsung and other TVs have detect they detect the HDR, say HDR detected, and then go into whatever mode is appropriate. Yeah, well, my whole understanding was it was a gamma, it, it's basically a, a gamma curve, if we're using mm. old terminology. I keep forgetting it, EOTF. EOTF. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going the well, long-winded Gamma way. does roll off tongue better than EOTF, doesn't yes, it? Yes, <laughs> it does a little bit, which is why I keep referring to the old-fashioned name, because I think it works. But um, my understanding was it just reads metadata, but for some reason, these media players just will not play the clips, um, even though they're HE... HEVC because I've got other HEVC 4K clips which play fine um, and then the, the stuff that I shot on the, the GH4 it plays fine so normal 4K material it plays that back perfectly well and, and obviously you've got Netflix 4K as well which um, on my new super fast broadband looks absolutely fantastic um, <laughs> slip that in there yeah I wonder when you're going to get around to that um, but yeah I mean it, it, it looks fantastic and this projector a 520 really really nice but it's it's one upgrade can't get it working 
and you know I can only I can only assess it on what we can get working and I think at three weeks and asking numerous questions I think we've given Sony a fair crack of the whip to try and uh, give us some stuff so I'm going to have to write the review this week and publish it this weekend and um, you know I can address it up it, it doesn't quite work with HDR material and eight and a half grand and coming from a company like Sony and like we say with the chain of products that we've had to test it should be producing better than it is but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's an absolutely stonking 4k projector like the 500 was and i thoroughly enjoyed watching material on it and it is very very close to the jvc uh, picture quality in terms of black levels and so on there's not a hell of a lot between them and people who write on the forum saying oh the sony's are poor black no i'm sorry <laughs> sorry they're not poor they're very very good very good just not jvc good yeah, it's, it's sad um, that we are in a position at the moment uh, where it is difficult for us to, to test certain features. I, I think our people, people are having a go at me about not testing HDR on, on the X5000. Well, boys, I couldn't. I had no way of accessing any HDR sources to test yeah, on that. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't waiting four weeks for another player to turn up. When well, <laughs> I mean, you know, on it. Um, yeah, I, I just don't have it. I mean, hopefully in three or four months' time, we will. We'll have uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray. But in the meantime, I can't. Um, and unfortunately, obviously, uh, as you just mentioned, Phil, all of JVC's new projectors, 5,000, uh, 7,000 and 9,000, do support HDR. But I was not able to test it. I have seen it, though. I've seen demonstrations of it, which I thought looked quite good. But, yeah, well, uh, this was the other thing. It, it completely flummoxed me when this player turned up from, from Sony. I mean, it hadn't been open, but I was expecting it to be the clips that we saw at IFA. Yeah, on there, which, which, too, which right? were Sony Sony Pictures clips, which were HDR clips. Um, I was ex- fully expecting those to be on there, and at least one or two films to be preloaded onto it's the thing. <laughs> Even if it was Smurfs Two, it'd be something. At least to it check. would have been some content. You know what I mean? It'd be some content to check. Um, and it's not your fault when it comes to the the X Five Thousand, Steve. I mean, this is what we're highlighting here. It's very difficult to get the clips playing. Even in the little media player box things that that Mark has hundreds of. Um, <laughs> It, I mean, he could send you one of those, and and again, it'd be hit or miss of whether you would get an HDR clip to play on it, and it wouldn't be metadata if it did play, um, mm. from from what I can work out. So no, they don't promise HDR playback. But besides that, I mean, the X five thousand. I mean, at the price point, it's four grand. It's a stonking machine for that kind of money. Uh, I mean, bang for buck, that's a hell of a price because you're getting, uh, you know, you're, you're getting a. a, 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 a well, okay, it's a full HD projector, but you're getting the E-Shift technology, you're getting a uh, reasonably wide colour space, 87%, I think got it wrong last week, it's 87%, pretty wide compared to DCI. Uh, you're getting um, HDR support, you've got full-fat HDMI 2.0A, two inputs for those. You know, you're getting a, a really, well, obviously the JVC Blacks, um, Dynamic Iris, if you want to use that, which I have to say work quite effectively. Um and all the other features that you'd expect, lens memory, etc. Um, you know, a really, really well-specified projector that, that can accept 4K, can deliver an experience that's, you know, maybe not full native 4K, but pretty close to it. Um, all for 3999 and that's, that's, that's actually very, very competitive. I mean, there's really nothing else in that price point to compete with it, because the next nearest thing above that, would, I guess, would be the uh, 3200, 
which is just the same as last year's three hundred. Yeah, well, and that's that, uh, five and a half grand. Well, they're not so, sending they're not sending the, the three twenty for review because it's no, for that <laughs> it's reason. <basically. laughs> and I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have HDR. It doesn't no. have lens memory. It's missing a few other bits and pieces. No as dynamic well. iris. No dynamic iris. So again, it just makes the X five thousand look. That, and and people say, well, wouldn't you go native four K? Well, actually, native four K is not the whole picture. Excuse the pun. But it's no, not, not it's not it's not the whole story. The whole story is everything else that goes with it. And and to be honest with you, looking at the Sony's versus JVC at the minute, JVC are, are, are the better bet. I think that there's no question about that in my mind. Having having spent some time with the five thousand now, you know, I'm thinking you know, I was I was toying with the idea of maybe getting a, a seven thousand, you know, looking at the specifications. But then I think, well, you know, I can calibrate the five thousand, so the fact it's not THX and this sort of stuff is necessarily an issue. It's got a perfectly good CMS that works very well. Um, it was actually very accurate out of the box, um, which which is always good to see because a lot of people won't get them calibrated. Um, it's not quite as bright as the um, as the X7000, but then again, once you've set it up and calibrated it, they're probably going to be similar. Um, it supports HDR. The only only area I can really see where maybe it's at a slight disadvantage is that they, they, apparently the X7000 and the X9000 do have a much wider color space to get almost DCI, but we'll find out whether that's the case or not when you review it, Phil. But aside from that, you know, you're thinking like, well, um, that's, that's that's making the X5000 look even more attractive to me. And obviously it's it's um, 1,300 less. So. Yeah. So uh, those are the two projectors that we've been looking at. Like we say, the X7000 uh, got word from JVC. There's a slight delay on that, but we will have it before Christmas. Guarantee you uh, that review will be up. It'll probably be the day before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Eve, to be precise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we will have that one up as soon as uh, it comes through. And we've had a decent amount of time spent with it as well. Um, and of course, hopefully I'll still have the VW520, so I'll be able to do some quick head-to-head -head stuff with it. I've done some head-to-head -head stuff with the X700, which I have uh, sitting here at the minute. And um, like I say, I mean, uh, you know, you take uh, native 4K out of it because it's E-Shift against 4K. It's normal viewing distance, Steve very difficult to tell the difference between the two and that's a surprising thing with e-shift and i think um you know maybe we've done jvc a disservice in the past with with previous versions of the e-shift but when you look at it now compared to the native sony's and and i would say the jvc lens is is probably even better i wouldn't say better i'd, I'd say the equivalent i know i know sony uh, make a big thing about their lens and and how it has to resolve 4k but they're the, you put them together and you'd be hard pushed to tell the difference to be honest it's other things come into, into play other than um resolution so people yeah. shouldn't get stuck or hung up on on just resolution there's more to it yeah. and of course we've been moaning about not being able to test stuff which it's been out of our hands really when it comes to the hdr stuff but um this little product came out of the blue and we got an email saying we do you fancy one of these for review and have a look at it and see what you think and it's the Meridio Fresco, the 6G pattern generator. Um, we love these little toys. Uh, it came from a company um, in in the US, Steve. Um, like I say, it came out of the blue. I think it came with a recommendation from Joel Silver, who said, give it to these guys to test out and, and review. Yeah. And gussie, I've been blown away by this little device because it is so good that the three of us now have one each. And basically, uh, we can test everything bar HDR. <laughs> We can test. And, and that is actually going to be coming too. There is an update coming to add HDR metadata to test for um, HDMI 2.0a. So yeah. that's coming in the new year as well, which is even better. Yeah, we can test. We'll be able to test for uh, anything that, that's currently being used um, for display technology, basically. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, when, know, and when we say everything, we mean absolutely everything from refresh rates. So you can go all the way down to, like Mark pointed out um, the other the other week there, that uh, 23976 is actually uh, what you need for 24p. So it's not just, it's not 24p, it's, it's actually just below that. Uh, so you can test for that and you can test for that at every single resolution that you can think of that's mm-hmm. current. And that's not just video resolution, but also PC resolution. Uh, what other things can you test? HDCP 1.4 and 2.2. Yep. Very uh, handy. You can Very test. Handy. You can test the EDID and see what it's reporting back through that, and it gives you the full report of what the device is and what what the device will accept and and what it's saying to you. So you can even test the devices out and see exactly. You know, if the manufacturer is saying something, we can actually go in and test that that is the case and it will accept uh, what it says it will accept when it does the handshake and so on. What else is that in there? Oh, it's custom and, resolutions. I cust- used that yesterday. Yeah, it's custom. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was, I'm doing the monitor with a resolution of two five six zero by fourteen forty. So I needed a custom resolution. Just stuck the PC software on it. It was easy enough. Complete yeah. waste of time as it turned out because the the, uh, the pattern generator wouldn't work with Calman RGB. But yeah, at least it was an exercise. Prove how useful it was. Yeah, but you can still plug it directly into the device and and generate the patterns and so on and yeah. still yeah. check the device. It doesn't have to go through. Uh, Calman RGB for that. Um, yeah, I mean, w- the things that it can do is just absolutely... I mean, you can check for almost anything. I think the only thing it doesn't do is pulse. Um, so it doesn't actually check 50 and 60 and 24. But but you can use the client to do that. You can use that with the, you can do that with the client, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it does it does absolutely everything I can think of. I mean, it's a handheld device. So if you're, if you're you know, out and about somewhere or just want to do a quick test, you can just plug it in and, and test whatever you want to test. Um, the fact it can do an needed read means that you can get all the information about what the display can actually do. Yeah, which I means found, we can very quickly in seconds check whether a manufacturer is telling us porkies or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, I found that. Ask them. I found that really useful the other day. I was just playing about with it, just to, um, with this BenQ that I've got in for for review at the minute, and uh, it was really interesting to see what it would accept and you know uh, frequency rates that it would accept and so on. Um, Interesting. Did you run the EDID check on um, on the V twenty uh, VW five twenty? I did, yeah. Okay, interesting. It does read and write, does it? For EDID? yes, yes, it does. Um, yeah, because obviously one of the big factors was that JVC's uh, HDMI inputs on their new projectors they they do um, eighteen gigabytes a second and um, you know HDMI two point zero A and four um, K at four 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 eight bit four four four, but also um, twelve bit at four two zero. I think it is all of which was confirmed by the um, by the Fresco. So yeah. No, it's a cracking little device, which is why all three of us now have one because you know we couldn't have passed up the opportunity not to have these things because I think it, it, where times are changing and where we, we've already highlighted where we're becoming uh, issues with projectors and stuff that need uh, outboard feeding from outboard devices in terms of HDR and 4K material, it becomes really useful to see exactly what it will take, what it won't take and so on. So yeah, I mean, absolutely fantastic little device that and uh, it should... Now that you've seen the uh, the tables that are in the review, you know how future proofed and so on. Um, the other thing that I think is brilliant is is the fact that because it's a pattern generator, I'm testing it myself, Steve. I know you've been doing it. Is uh, if you look at some of the high end displays where we check not only against DCI but we check the saturation tracking um, from seventy five percent down in twenty five percent increments. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, what we've had to do is is switch off our very expensive pattern generators that we did use from Senko and revert back to a disc in a disc player to to do that, which was a real pain. And it would take about 40 minutes to do it properly. 
to do it right because you need to double check that you were you were set at the right saturation point so and so the graph because if you got halfway through the graph and then mucked it up you have to go back and start it again which would you know so it would take about 40 minutes to do this properly to make sure that you had a good looking graph at the end of it and you would checking what was happening and checking on screen and so on matter of minutes now with the fresco because it's a pattern generator because you can feed it through calvin and tell it what to do i'd say actually less than a minute once you press play you know the, the measurement button on calman it goes chink, 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 chink. it's about 30 seconds to do it all it's really quick and uh, it's just such a you, know, you can do it over and over again and it's great um in fact using it in conjunction with calman ultimate and and our clients you know it's you can test for anything. So like we talked about it earlier on, but you notice now in the reviews that we actually measure, we, we, there's a graph that we, we, we run where it actually measures the native color gamut of the display against DCI. So you can see exactly how close to it it is. And it gives you a little readout saying percentage measurements. So um, that's really handy too. And all this stuff is just, you know, it's, it's so quick and easy now. It makes a massive difference. It will make us, you know, producing these reports and doing the reviews are much quicker. Yeah, so, so um, it, it rightly won a reference award because um, we're now using it as our reference device. So I don't think you can say any, any fairer than that. So, um, Ed, you can wake up now. Really? I'll tell you what, I, I'm eternally grateful that these things are done via the internet because, uh, you know, <laughs> I, at least I've just sort of been pottering through the curious world of online whilst you've talked about that generation. I don't want to know what you've been doing on your own online, to be honest, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> there's no camera involved in this same thing same thing i'm always doing which is just generally speaking looking at used cars but you know we spoke about it a, a little bit before you did the review but the audio technica turntable has gone up now the lp5 or sorry the at-lp5 looking at the chassis it looks very very reminiscent to a turntable a direct drive turntable that i used to use you know, back in the day ed yes um, same tone arm i believe as well or certainly same shape same and, principles yeah. same principles the way it was weighted and uh the auto skip and stuff it, it was all the same setup as well with the weight on the back of the arm and and the auto skip to the side um only difference i could really tell was the platter was uh, a little bit thicker and it had a nice big thick rubber mat on the top um and no strobe light but well i mean the, the, I, I can assure you having strobed it um as a matter of course when it goes in it, it's perfect um in terms of speed stability at both speeds um this is uh if you like um a complete well it's a completely different it is a significantly different way of going about making an affordable turntable and by and large it's a bloody good one too um the the LP5 for 330 quid, it turns up with uh, arm cartridge, uh, phono stage built in, which can be switched out of the circuit. It's got a USB output for ripping vinyl, um, which, as I note in the review, people think is a great idea right up until the point where they actually try it. Um, it's a seriously, seriously good piece of equipment. Um, uh, obviously, the turntable we reviewed prior to uh, this one was three and a half thousand pounds this is less than a tenth of that and um it really is capable of giving you a, a good sense of, of of what a good pressing is capable of and um if you have a look in the comments section uh the, the sample's still here um audio technique aren't desperately good at actually collecting stuff um i've just been messing about with it so uh there's a different cartridge on there uh the uh, supplied one's been taken off uh, 150 quid grado which was lying around has been attached to it and uh, I got shot of the rubber mat and substituted 
one made out of a sort of uh, acrylic material by a company called The Funk Firm. So that's all up another 220 quid's worth of bits. Uh, and I've also stopped using the internal phono stage because, you know, reasons. Um, and it's just, it's responded positively each time. The, the really good news is that you can buy this um, and if you just used it as was, as it, as it comes out of the box, it will be extremely good. But if you do feel yourself being bitten by the bug, unlike almost anything else at the price point, there's some real stretch to what you can do with it in terms of just eking more performance out of the basic unit. And it is basically, if I'm because I read your review and I thought, oh, I'm quite tempted yeah. here because I like the look of it. It's got an old school look to it, which I really like. Yeah. Um, and it comes with everything, cartridge, tone arm, anything Correct. I need to pay extra for, I think it's an extra 30 quid. Is a lid. Is the is a lid? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Everything else is in the box, good to go, and set up. If you cannot set this turntable up, vinyl is not is not going to be your friend. <laughs> it doesn't. It, I'm afraid it doesn't get any easier than this one. So, um, you know, yeah, the, it, it's a really it's it's refreshingly different to the sort of very minimalist. Uh, simple belt drive designs that it's sort of competing with on price it's built like a lorry um, as I say there's a useful bit of design sort of upgrade stretch potential to it as well um, it's a seriously seriously good product and if you are looking for uh, a turntable to stick under the tree for Christmas day you could you would do an you have to be spending 500 550 quid before I would recommend anything other than this one of course, if you sat the Christmas tree on top of it, and it'd be a perfectly pitched Christmas tree. This is true, although I can't help but think, Phil, that um, 33 RPM is going to be a bit quick to rotate your <laughs> your common or garden Christmas tree. I would rec counsel at least on using a fake one, because that has a chance of being correctly balanced. But really, you'd be looking for uh, an old broadcast unit with the uh, 16 RPM transcription speed on it. That's a good speed to rotate a tree. One thing I did notice was there wasn't any obvious start-stop button. No, it's just you uh, switch the um, knob, uh, <laughs> go up for 33 and down for 45. And in its centre position, it's off. And there's a hard power switch at the back. So if, for example, you've got a two-year-old who enjoys switching small switches, uh, it doesn't necessarily spin around when he uh, presses the switch. So would you still have mini-disc? I think uh, the question should be, do you still have mini-disc? There is still a mini disc player in the house um, because it uh, lives in the bedroom and it plays radio. It's a Sony sort of system and it plays Radio 4 quite successfully. Um, I don't think there's a functional mini disc left in the house, no. Um, I, I was quite a big fan of the format. Um, I, in a rash of feeling wealthy at the time, I bought one of the ES separate mini disc players. So did I. With, with the uh, Tremec. Yep. in them and the Tremec failed and it was a piece of plastic worth about 5p um, but obviously you couldn't buy that piece of plastic on its own so I, 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 I the quote came back from Sony UK for they wanted £187 for a replacement mech and I just thought do you know what I think we're done here yep. I had, and uh, uh, I just had, moved on to Matt's you know solid storage yeah I had a uh, I even had a uh, um Head unit in the car, Sony head unit. Now that's dedication. Wasn't so did it? I. Yeah. Back in the late nineties. Yeah. So I had that, and then I sold it to my mate, who uh, went down to Birmingham one weekend, and his car got turned over and all got nicked. All the mini disc and the mini disc head unit and stuff. The only I, had, I would make an honest exception if anyone 
out there has a qualia minidus walkman let me know and if you're interested in parting with it i would make you an offer oh there you go <laughs> and it might not it might not be a cash offer either maybe it does it just i did you ever see you know when, when sonia did the qualia line of just different yeah. bits and bobs did you see the video just walk it didn't know they did one actually unbelievable i mean it was just the most ridiculously over-engineered thing it was a work of absolute beauty i mean i wouldn't be interested in actually playing mini discs on it it's just a minor work of art and yeah i mean don't get me wrong i think they want i think it was 14 1500 quid so they are as you might imagine quite rare but yeah i'd, I'd love one of those because it, it was one of the very last pieces of sony going yeah have some of that and it was just awesome Do you guys have the little keyboard so you could type in the names of things on the no, I but I if you bought the if you bought the ES decks or if you bought the older separates, they had, came with a, a, a remote control the size of a mattress. Yeah, that's which right. actually had a full keyboard yeah, that, map on that's it. That's what I had. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Use yeah. that. Well, the thing that I really liked about Mini Disc and why um, I took to it was the easy edit uh, facility. So you could actually do a lot of splicing and editing on it. So stuff that you would use a computer now to do and software and go in and, and do all that various takes and all the rest you could do all that within it which was brilliant really it, well ahead of its time it did render one of the very first pieces of sort of excel code programming sort of thing i ever did i had a i had worked worked out an excel spreadsheet to add in time rather than standard units okay so you could work out the lengths of songs so you could actually knock them together correctly for compilation cassettes that's how sad i was <laughs> that is really quite that, sad. That, that, that really is quite nerdy Ed. but <laughs> i made brilliant compilation tapes as a result they went all the way to the end no clip-offs no nothing perfect <laughs> okay well i think uh, i think that wraps up hardware for this week um and we'll be back next with movie reviews So, Steve, um, what's at the cinema? Uh, th- this week we had Victor Frankenstein opening on Friday, which I was going to go and see, but I didn't for two reasons. One, it wasn't playing in my local cinema, but also it got some really, really bad reviews. Um, Serena gave it five out of ten, but uh, I think it got zero out of five, zero stars out of five in the Times. Um, generally, was that Cosmo Landsman, though? I don't know who did the review, actually. I, didn't, I just saw the... Cause I was looking through a list of, um, you know... Uh, I think it's in the Guardian on Saturday. They 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 just take all the reviews and put them together and show you what what, what it was averaging. I always feel very sorry sorry for Cosmo Landsman. It's like he's a film critic who doesn't like films. <laughs> I mean, it's the equivalent of sending I don't know someone with severe gastroenteritis to review restaurants. Caddies, caddies, <laughs> yeah, or or so, so, someone who can't drive gets the uh, new sh- new job of Top Gear presenter. He yeah. just seemingly hates films and is compelled to write about them. The man's trapped in a, in a, in a cycle of despair. <laughs> right, well, maybe it was him because it got zero stars. 
which I don't think I've ever seen before, so really didn't like it. Uh, it also got um, torn, torn to shreds on film 2015 by Danny Lee, so eventually I thought, you know, maybe I won't bother. Because oh, it kind of looked like it might be fun in the trailers, but uh, basically it yeah, looks I think, like it's I very think, derivative. I think uh, you said last week it looked quite funny in the trailers, and in the trailers I thought, so I thought, hmm, they're playing that quite serious, actually. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be funny. Um, yeah, it's it's so it's yeah it didn't it wasn't reviewed well. Um, Shuna said that uh, it was derivative in places. It could you know it wasn't uh, exciting or fun enough, and it, it could done with a jolt of electricity. I think was was that word. So yeah, in the end, partly because of that, and partly because it wasn't actually on anyway. So I couldn't uh, unless I went to another cinema where I'd have wise. to actually pay, which I wasn't going to do. I think that cinema chain wise film buyer there. Obviously saw that. Yeah. I thought, well, I'm not buying that in. Uh, so I didn't go, um, unfortunately. But um, and I won't be going this weekend because uh, about the only film I think that's being released this weekend is the one that uh, stars Brad Pitt and was directed by Angelina Jolie. The sort of 1960s set um, film about a marriage breaking down, um, which I can't remember what it's called. Something like by the, like sea? A by the sea or something like that. Is that what it's called? Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's not a laugh. And it, um, you know, I think the only, Universal only let, may let her do it so they can get her to do something else for them that they wanted to do. Uh, more commercial but basically no films are opening uh, and nothing major is opening between now and boxing day because um next there's week, some some small science fiction thing launching a little sci-fi film coming out yeah well well the thing is that they've bought up all the screens anyway all the imax screens are bought out for three weeks solid for um it's gonna say fox here yeah? uh, disney have bought bought all those screens up for three weeks worldwide so even if, if somebody wanted to launch a film um, well, they could they could launch films, you know. The they, they could launch a film, but good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but but that would have been fine if it had been a good laugh and fun. I think. I mean, I don't want much. I mean, basically, as long as the Force Awakens is entertaining, I'm going to be happy. It hasn't got to be a masterpiece. It just has to be fun. And it, entertaining. It, it, it just has to be a two-hour trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me really? all that for two hours. Didn't it? Really? That's all it needs to be. Don't want any of that slowing down dialogue shit. <laughs> just action. No, I don't mind if it's the old, old, you know, because if you look, if you watch the original Star Wars, I mean, it's got a wonderful pace to it. Um, it's really exciting. Uh, and, it's, yeah, and it's genuinely it, funny it, in places, isn't it? It eventually had a, a good pace to it. After changing things around. No, but I mean, you know, it's just, it is a an entertaining and at times quite funny movie with some quite witty dialogue. Again, um, not via Lucas, it has to be said. Didn't Willard Katz and Gloria Hoyt um, do a rewrite on it for him? You're right. I mean, a lot of his friends pitched in Spielberg, De Palma, which, br- which brings me back to my original point yeah. right the way back at the start of this podcast. He got lucky. He had he had some talent. I'm not saying he wasn't. He didn't have any talent, but he wasn't the super talented filmmaker that Coppola and that make out. He had, he had a remarkable vision. To, I mean, to because if you think about it, at the time in '75, um, you know, he had a big hit with American Graffiti, and it was a massive hit. Don't forget that. It was a huge, huge hit on a minuscule budget. So he was very bankable at the time, and he could have done anything he wanted to do. And he said, I want to do this science fiction movie. Um, originally, he wanted to do Flash Gordon, right? But he couldn't get the rights. So, you know, he, he pitches it to various studios, and not going to get, get I mean, like, well, uh, Universal had first dibs because he did American Graffiti with them and didn't want to know. Um, but it was um, Alan Ladd Jr. who, you know, who didn't say, he said, I don't understand what you're talking about or anything, but I believe in you. I think you can deliver something that's going to be interesting. And, you know, to take that idea and then deliver it, what he did, using the effects at the time and, and, and effectively, you know, 
create an uh, effects company to create those effects, and, yeah. but admittedly bring in people like Dan, um, John D D Dykstra, you know, very talented guys who yeah. took computers to the next level and did things that yeah. they this is faster. What, this is what I meant, though. He was surrounded by all these people. Yeah, but he had to pull, bring it all together, didn't he? <laughs> and, and I think, yeah, I, I'm not going to take anything away from the guy. He made Star Wars, he made American Graffiti, and they're both great films. And, um, you know, but... Yeah, after that, I think he got severely lost in terms of uh, as a filmmaker. I think he lost interest in it, to be honest. And and that just you can see that with the prequels, where it's all about the technology, and not about the filmmaking anymore. And yeah, um, yeah. and he's you know it's boring, and people look bored doing it. And I think he looked bored directing where, it. I mean, where he's boring. where he's been a massive influence on the industry has been on the technical side of things. Oh, it's fundamentally changed. He is he is lauded in the industry as being the guy he's who really pushed things. Fundamentally changed yeah. the film industry forever. I mean, that one man has changed everything. Everything from non-linear editing to uh, digital capture to digital projection to special effects to CGI. It all goes back to George Lucas. Everything. Yep. Pixar used to be part of Lucasfilm. You know, um, now, you look at anything that's been influential over the last 20 to 30 years, and you can probably put it back to, at some point, George Lucas. So from that point of view, yeah, he has absolutely changed everything forever. Whether that's a good thing or not necessarily i don't know always but um yeah no question about it he's been influential well that's that's where he he has been the, the big push and and you know that come that comes across when you actually go and see his facilities you know it's all technology everything is technology in the way it's hidden away and in, in in the ranch and that kind of thing it's just but it's the latest the greatest he was always thinking about how you push the envelope further how, how do you improve things so in in that respect yeah massively ton as a filmmaker i got lucky we've kind of got off topic slightly haven't we really really it's very <laughs> really steve that's just, whew, it's just what, not what, like what us what are we talking about how, how dare we do that well we we're talking about the nine was going to come out because yeah, of force awakens is out um you got some blu-rays coming out which um we've had the reviews for all of them anyway um at the cinema and uh, um, i have no doubt that we're going to have uh, all the blu-ray reviews on the homepage in the next week yeah, I think basically what's happening is no one's opening stuff at the cinema for obvious reasons, but people are releasing quite a lot of stuff on Blu-ray. Would that be because it's Christmas, do you think? Yeah, yeah. and Christmas is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, it's just one obvious answer. It's Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's because Christmas is coming up. Plus, I guess if you don't want to go to the cinema, you can watch one of these Blu-rays instead. Um, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Matt, which is a competition prize, as um, Mark mentioned at the beginning. Mark, you still here? Yeah. <laughs> I just suddenly thought I can't remember the last time I heard your voice. <laughs> Me neither. Well, well, if you shut up for five minutes. Do you want to read them out, Mark? No. <laughs> uh, well, I forgot. I go, oh, you can make me say that because I say it funny, aren't you? Pixels, not not pixels, as I normally say. Uh, and The Gift and Trainwreck. And I've got no interest in any is, of them. Is that about the EV Forums podcast? Yeah, that's, yes. And, and The Man from Uncle. It's, yes, it's a compendium of episodes. <laughs> Interesting fact, um, Rogue, Rogue Nation, I almost said Rouge then, Rogue Nation and Man from Uncle, Dolby Atmos soundtracks, Pixels, in America, Dolby Atmos soundtrack, in this country, rather un unusually, um, Oro 3D soundtrack. Yeah, there'll be a bit, two people can listen to that. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just pointing out that. And, and you'll be one of them, Steve. One of them is Steve, yeah. Yeah, I, I can. <laughs> Although it, That means I'm going to have to buy the film twice. I don't even want to buy it once. Why That's do you have to buy it twice? If I want to compare the Atmos soundtrack to the Oro 3D soundtrack. What, well, just, that's just, work, just... isn't it? You can, you can um, <laughs> write that off against the tax. Well, in this particular instance, it will definitely be work. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be pleasurable. 
to be honest, I, I'd love to get my I, I, another copy version of Peter Gabriel's Melt album turned up last week, which makes it my third on vinyl and my <laughs> sixth otherwise. Which why, why do you keep buying it? I've got a first pressing. Uh, I've got a hundred and eighty gram pressing, and now a forty five RPM half speed master pressing. I've got it on CD. I've got it on SACD and I've got uh, a remastered CD. Which album by Peter Gabriel? Melt, the third one. Oh, the third one. Yeah, that is a good album. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if it's any good. You're obviously quite... <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. <laughs> it's a, it's a great album. It really is. It good. is a great album, but it's probably unnecessary to own six versions of it. You know what just popped in my head? Uh, next, next week, right? It's probably going to be the first occasion that all four members of the AV Forums podcast have gone out of the house. Well, at the same time. <laughs> at the same, at the same time. time. Yeah. I, I stress I am at going out of the house later on to buy some I, I food. I assume we all go out of the house at various times, but maybe you go to the <laughs> cinema. I, I just wanted to make that point for people listening in who just think, <laughs> these these guys for real. How many pressings are that? And what's the difference between them? Do you really want me to go into no, this? No, I don't. No. <laughs> 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 Save it for save it for a, a slow news week podcast, Dead. Yeah, we'll come yeah. back to it. What you mean this Monday coming? Where <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably no one's releasing anything or doing anything as we just wait for an inevitable onslaught of Star Wars. Yeah, so basically. Uh, okay, um, unfortunately, we've run out of time on the AV Forums podcast as we always do. Um, for some strange reason, we were extremely on subject again this week. So. There's definitely something in the water. My thanks to Steve Weathers. That look in your eyes is pain in my ass. You know that, right? <laughs> Mark Hodgkinson. Oh, well, maybe we could share a jail cell together. Ed Sally. I always spill red wine on my custom-made white shirt. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can bookmark AV Forums for latest reviews, news and video. And, of course, you can leave us a rating on iTunes of five stars. And if you do that, um, we will read your names out before Christmas. We'll probably do it on the Christmas Dash Star Wars special. <laughs> We'll be kidding. It'll be the Star Wars special. Uh, I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Bye.